GeorgiaBulldogsAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in. It's another game week for Georgia as Arkansas and Sam Pittman come to town. It's Mark Weiser, DJ Beat Writer for the Athens Banner Herald with Ryan Dennis, sports editor. And Ryan, it is a top 10 matchup, well, at least in the AP poll, not the USA Today coaches poll. It's part of our Gannett family. I thought it was the other way around. Nope. 11 in the coaches, 8 in the uh, AP poll. Oh, okay. And I had them, I think, 9 or 10. I can't remember. Uh, you had game- Georgia 1? Georgia is number two. Yeah, okay. Uh, game day is going to be here. Did you know that? I've heard rumors that they would uh, set up on Myers Quad. So this is kind of what you expected before the season. You were saying top ten matchup, maybe game day, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, we had none of that predicted, and we thought this would be an easy uh, week off, so to speak. Yeah. Speaking of game day, mm-hmm. Reese Davis, the host of game day, is going to be nice enough to join us. Yeah, looking forward to that. We will talk. The uh, college game day coming to Athens, a little behind the scenes uh, info from him, hopefully about kind of, you know, his preparation for this show. We'll talk a little Georgia, Arkansas, maybe talk about his buddy, uh, David Pollock. Yeah, and uh, that would be a good question. Yes. And we will uh, have him joining us shortly as the traveling show comes to Georgia. You know, this it seems like every year the home schedule at Sanford Stadium, uh, it comes out and you say, you know what, this schedule is kind of weak because you have Florida in Jacksonville every year. Uh-huh. This year you have Charlotte, uh, a game in Charlotte against Clemson. You, next year you have a game against Oregon in Atlanta. So th- the best games seem to be elsewhere, except you know yeah. on the time when you get an Alabama visiting, when you get an Auburn visiting, when they're good. Right. Um, but then an Arkansas surprises you. Yeah, so, you know, it always seems So the to schedule be, uh, analysis that you do in February or March, uh-huh. it's a waste of time. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there always seems to be a game that sneaks in there and you're kind of like... Well, you know what? This actually uh, is tougher than than Georgia expected, and this would be the week—a very surprising game. Now, one game that didn't surprise me was Georgia Vanderbilt. Now, I mean, it kind of did from the standpoint. I don't know if I've ever been to a game where a team scored thirty-five first quarter points. Have you seen that in high school? It's very rare, and I mean, it it has to be about like that. I I don't mean score 35. 35 35-nothing. No, I get that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has to be one of those rare things where it's an absolutely horrible team versus a a very good team like we experienced last week. I mean, it thinks snowballed. I mean, you get a short field on a a kick return fumble. Yeah. You get, was it an interception where they got a short field also down to the 20 or something? Mm -hmm. I mean, that thing just snowballed and... What was it, 28 nothing after eight minutes, right? I don't know. I mean, it it was pure dominance. Yeah, I mean, that that looks like an incredible rebuild. Not rebuild, just build, I guess, at Vanderbilt. I mean, that's yeah. that's not looking good. And, hey, this is not in our picks later in the show. It was hard. It's hard to pick between UConn and Vanderbilt. I mean, somebody's got to win that game. Do they? Did I see – now, this might, have been, this might have been fake, but did I see the over-under of, like, four <laughs> on that? Yeah, that, w- that would be fake. I would think so, too. But. I mean, it's not like you're talking about great defenses. <laughs> Um, hey, I don't know if you, you think or knew that Brock Bowers is the real deal. I mean, when is he going to have a game where you're like, that guy's not ready for the NFL now? Yeah, I mean, what can't he do, right? I mean, it is Speed Vanderbilt. Sweeps. It is you. It was UAB. It was, you know, down South Carolina. But I mean, they caught the first, like, two passes of the year, did he not, against Clemson? Yeah, so 
Kirby was asked about Brock Bowers this week and paraphrasing here, you know, he, he kind of said, you know, part of the deal is he's getting targeted because we're missing a lot of guys like a Darnell Washington. Yeah. You know, there, Kyrus Jackson's still not up to 100%. Um, you don't have uh, Dominique Blalock. But, I mean, let's not take away from what this guy's doing. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know. Some, it's, not some, like, it's not like they're throwing a guy out there and he's not performing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, oh, well, we got so-and-so out there and he's just uh, – he's there because Darnell Itton. I mean, this guy is – a go-to guy right now. Yeah, I mean, it says something about the way Georgia recruits. I'm not saying he was an under-the-radar uh, guy. I mean, he wasn't a five-star. Right, right. But I'm going to pull up um, the 247 Sports Composite rankings. I'm curious, like, where? If, let's guess off the top of your head. Yeah. Where, where do you think you ranked in terms of if you ranked Georgia's from 1 to 20-ish, whatever it was? Uh, in their... In their in their recruiting class, I mean, is he I'd, like number I'd, seven? No, I'd say 12 or so. No, no, I don't think he's that low. Ah, uh, you said... Oh, right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Amarius Mims, number one. Brock yeah. Vandergrift, two. Wait a second. That's just in the state of Georgia. Let me switch this over here. Well, you know, I mean, he, he didn't make waves uh, like, like, you know, those guys. And it, it almost seemed like, you know, again, with Darnell Washington, you're thinking, hey, this is a guy that is not going to have his position taken from him. You know, and he still hasn't. I mean, injuries have obviously been a big part of that. But. You know, I don't think anybody expected Brock Bowers to come in here and be better than Darnell Washington was as a freshman. All right, here we go. Mims, Vandegrift, Sori, Mondin, Morris, Green, Daniel, Fairchild, Bowers. That's pretty far down. Is that nine? Dylan Fairchild is, is ranked higher than Brock Bowers. Yeah. You're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep. 105th overall recruit, third tight end, 10th in the state of California. Man. I mean, what happens in that situation? Is that somebody overlooked? They come in, they're just... I mean, I would, I would guess it has something to do with... Northern, get an opportunity? Northern California. Yeah, yeah. It's not like the recruiting hotbed like SoCal is, I don't think, you know? Well, how about Georgia going out there? I mean, how do you, how do you spot a guy like that, right? How do you put that on your big board and say... I mean, obviously, it's the right call, but how do you find the 105th, you know, best player well, and, and eighth overall tight end I mean, or whatever and say that's how a guy do you find the 105th? Do you have 105 recruiting staffers that, that can help you find that? I think, you do. I think you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that helps. Uh, and actually, Kirby uh, yesterday, uh, Kirby Smart, Georgia football coach, we can just him. call him by Kirby, I guess. Yeah. He had an interesting answer yesterday. Uh, we, someone was asking him about, you know, Lad McConkey, Jordan Davis, um, some of these guys that were under the radar. Um, and he talked about how, how deep Georgia goes and in, in looking at, um, you know, the film and not just going off of a, a video highlight. And I always go back to Solomon Kinley, too. Now, he also talked about how much how important camp is for them. Mm-hmm. I got a story of Lad McConkey coming out Thursday morning if I uh, if I post it right on our on our board and all that. But uh, he never camped at Georgia, his dad told me, because. Uh, Big Tennessee fans, and so they didn't want, they didn't want to come to Georgia. <laughs> Who else is that? Tate Radley's one here, Tennessee. Well, they're part for they're yeah, that upper. I mean, yeah. I think uh, Chatsworth's about 25, 30 minutes from Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to live in that area. In fact, I know I've been to I've been to North Murray High School. It's very uh, have you, very how's scenic. The, how's the cafeteria food? <laughs> uh, their uh, their their cream corn is uh, nothing to write home about. But um, yeah, yeah, I've covered a game at North Murray. In fact, a little nugget here: McConkey's older brother was their quarterback, and he was a pretty good athlete. And then you know when when Georgia signed Lad, yeah, I was like, oh, I've heard that name I didn't, before. I, didn't, I don't I don't expect much out of him, but man, look at this guy. I didn't throw this in the story, but I, I mean, I did wonder about it like a year and a half ago or whenever it was. You know, is he related to Phil McConkey? That kind of thing. You uh, know, yeah, you know, I, I, I couldn't really weave it in. Uh, um, and the answer is no, he's not. Um, 
But you know what? What happens to Lab McConkey, who we should mention had two touchdowns, one uh, you know great leaping, twisting catch. A uh, most. It was apparently on You Got Mossed uh, by Randy Moss on what is it? Monday Night Football. What, what is that? I guess uh, he has his five best catches or really? whatever and calls them You Got Mossed. Yeah. 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 Wait, this is on... Um, it's like it's either pre- on the Sunday morning countdown or oh. the... I think he might do oh, you got a clip? If you, if you have a clip, I can include that in my story. Yeah, I might. Yeah. You do? We'll look for it. Go ahead. Do a little YouTube search. Mm-hmm. Um the other one was a, another end-around touchdown, just like Bowers. Um, what happens when Don Blaylock comes back? What happens when Darnell Washington comes back in terms of, you know, you can only put – got to put five offensive linemen, your quarterback, your running back. Like, you only have so many targets that you could send well, out there. How much do, is Lab McConkey going to lose playing time? Probably. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you know, remember us talking a couple weeks ago about who's the odd man out here, and you were like, well, no, I don't think any of the tight ends are. I think Fitzpatrick might be odd man out. I know he's in there for blocking and, and, and right. stuff from time to time. but Well, I mean. I mean, yeah, obviously you're going to have to position them as wide receivers more than tight ends, like, I think. So, but, if, I mean, how is Washington as a blocker compared to uh, Fitzpatrick? Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. Yeah. We need to grade film. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, another takeaway from Vanderbilt. I think uh, Keely Ringo is the guy at cornerback. Um, I mean, along with Darian Kendrick. Yes. Uh, first start for uh, Ringo and, um, you know, replaced Amir Speed, who had a rough game against South Carolina the week before. Um, I've seen, the, I guess it's Pro Football Focus or someone's putting out information about how Ringo hadn't given up a catch. Now, he did have two pretty big pass interferences against, against Clemson. Clemson. Right. But, but first, I mean, first college game. Yeah, but he did. Uh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did uh, had a couple of pass breakups against Vanderbilt. The interception in- against UAB. Yeah, it'll be interesting this week uh, against Arkansas, which has a, a very good deep threat. Uh, you know how that plays out in terms of uh, matchups. Uh, but you're talking about Traylon Burks, averaging almost 20 yards a catch, two touchdowns, uh, went deep against Texas A&M. So uh, you know another test for Georgia. And, and the secondary, um, Ryan. I don't know if you read my newsletter. Mm-hmm. Did you read it? Yeah. You enjoy that? Yeah, it was good. I mean, this is recording, so you really have to say something good about it. Yeah, it was great, and I encourage everybody to sign up for the uh, Bulldogs Extra News. Yeah, I had a little Mark nugget in there, which is a little nugget on the post game show, which I was kind of uh, amazed that Jordan Davis could recite how many snaps he played. I guess because he didn't play many. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he could do that every game. Yeah, probably not. Uh, but it was nine snaps he said against Vanderbilt. Um, JT Daniels had the same one. <laughs> I mean, he had a few more, but I think what it seemed like. I, mean, I think he had twenty ish. 20 and uh, four touchdowns. Yeah. Pretty impressive. So, um, you know, that says also something about the guy that's coming in on third down a lot for Jordan Davis, which is uh, Jalen Carter, Carter, who... You know, and I, I don't, you, I mean, that's, that's quite a luxury to have that dude coming. Say, in. You probably watched the uh, the the replay, but uh, I, I was watching it, you know, on uh, on TV on Saturday, and I mean, there was nothing but there was more praise for Jalen Carter, I feel like, than there was Jordan Davis. And after that one where he just threw the offensive lineman to the side and just you know ramjacked a running back trying to go up the middle, I mean, that was uh, that was impressive. And as we talk about every week, it's like. Georgia has a front seven. They, they, you know, they don't have a front seven. They have a front fourteen of guys that can just rotate in there and, and be just as productive as the guy in front of them. Um, Kirby Smart was asked on the SEC teleconference today about JT Daniels, uh, kind of how he was doing with his injury from a couple of weeks ago, and also, well, he mentioned that 
now he's kind of dealing with a lat issue. Do you know what a lat is, Ron? It's in the back. Yeah, I Chipper think. Jones used to get those it's all in the, the back time. Somewhere? Yeah, I think it's like along the side, right? Right, like, right. right down through here. And I'm pointing uh, yeah. to my midsection along my uh, side. So there. you wonder, I mean, I was just thinking it's 35 nothing, and, and Kirby's calling off the dogs. But, I mean, I guess, you know, no matter what kind of aches and pains JT might have, you know, this is going to be a long season, Georgia hopes. I mean, they're hoping they're playing – 13, 14, 15 games, right? If you're including the... Uh, well, when you say long season, that means something different in Georgia terms as compared to Vanderbilt terms because <laughs> they're already in the middle of a long season. But yes, you're right. It, they hope to be playing all the way until the right. national championship. So, I mean, you know, you want to limit the amount of reps he's going to get in a game that once the thing is out of hand. Um, so, I mean, I, Kirby didn't kind of elaborate on whether that's why they pulled him out before the end of the first quarter uh, when it was 35 nothing. Um we haven't really dived into it yet, but I uh, wrote a story that's up on onlineathens.com. I think it's a subscriber-only story, so please subscribe. Ryan, you can get a subscription for a buck if you've never been a subscriber for six months. For Is six that right? months, yeah. That seems like a good deal. a deal, man. That seems like a good Absolutely. deal. Absolutely. Uh, the Sam Pittman factor. Uh, you know, George obviously opened last season against Sam Pittman and, and Arkansas. and uh, Got a first-half scare, didn't it? They did. Um, but... I mean, we're talking 4-0, uh, beat Texas A&M, beat Texas. Um, you know, you zoomed up the polls. Uh, this was a, a program that had lost 20 SEC games, uh, you know, I think it was a week ago. I mean, a year ago this week that they were still in that in that 20-game SEC slide. I mean, he's done some miracle work there. He really has. And, I mean, he's a guy that comes in and, you know, he he didn't have any coordinator experience. He's always been a – uh, offensive line coach or maybe a high school football coach I mean you have to have uh, you know a little bit of uh, what's it uh, fortitude uh, intestinal fortitude to go out and hire a guy like this but I mean you talked to Kirby this week and you know all the praise that he gave to him and even when he took the job Sam Pittman what a year and a half or two years ago now uh, you know nothing but praise for the guy and the linemen you talked to this week all had just i mean he's he's a player's coach he he reminds me of the bobby cox of uh of football where all the players want to go out there and run through a brick wall for the guy and it's paid off and uh he really has done a phenomenal job i talked to uh for that story maybe the first tackle that they signed uh, in the new regime because I think Solomon Kinley and Ben Cleveland were signed as guards. I don't know if they had a tackle before Tyler Catalina. Yeah. The Rhode Island grad transfer. Um, he's up playing in Canada. You know, it, the name of that team is appropriate for a guy that played at Georgia. The Red Blacks, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Part. Oh, that's cool. Um, but anyway, um, look, here's here's why I think uh, Pittman. I mean, first of all, Pittman can get his guys motivated and they love playing for him and he does his, uh, you know, yes, sir, uh, shtick and he does, um, he's got the jukebox thing. You familiar with the jukebox yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Turn it on or what? turn it up or what does he say? Hey, is there a jukebox uh, like at the grill downtown? Where's where there a jukebox around town yeah, here? Probably a jukebox at the grill downtown. Where, anywhere else? Where else? Waffle House. They have one there? Yeah, right. You get three songs for a dollar. Is that, is that, okay. All right. But I mean, I, I don't know about a, uh, old classic jukebox where you just, uh, like the See one, the disc drop down and start spinning. Like the one that, on the repeats of Happy Days? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but look, he's got some good coordinators. Barry Odom in particular, uh, you know, he gave Georgia some trouble as head coach at Missouri. You know, some tougher games than you might have expected. And then offensively, they're bringing Kendall Bryles. And so, um, you know, Odom in particular gets a lot of praise from Kirby and, and kind of, you know, against Texas A&M, they, 
they did a, a three-man deal, I think, with five linebackers. And uh, so that's uh, – do the math, that's a 3-5-3. Three, three. And so, you know, Georgia's might be – if they put it in that scenario with that kind of scheming uh, – it might be a deal like Clemson where, where you got to do a lot of checkdowns and a lot of underneath throws and you're not going to be able to hit those big plays downfield. Right. I mean, uh, you know, and I think JT caught a lot of flack about that, but it was whatever the, uh, the defense gave you. And, you know, I, Hey, look, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that Arkansas, I mean, they're still a uh, pretty big underdogs coming into Athens this week. So, you know, I'm not so sure that they're uh, quite as good as what Georgia saw in Clemson. And I'm sure uh, Monk can, can find some, can find the holes that he needs to with uh with the athletes especially if darnell washington comes back like we talked about with the way brock Bowers is playing and and other guys so um yeah i uh not to give away any picks or anything but i'm feeling pretty confident in georgia this week picks will be later in the show but before we do that we're going to uh we've got a little bit more to talk about with georgia arkansas we'll hit on after our interview as uh, right now we're going to bring on reese davis from espn's college game day All right, joining us now to talk the uh, Georgia-Arkansas game and college game day coming to town is the host of the show, Reese Davis, uh, 25 years, more than 25 years now with ESPN, and uh, you see him on your Saturday mornings, see him all over the dial uh, with the NFL Draft, Final Four, et cetera, et cetera. Reese, hope you're doing well, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So, uh I saw in my DVR because I was uh, in Vanderbilt last week that you all did the uh, Blues Brothers opening from Chicago last week, <laughs> and I'm wondering if you can top that now in Athens. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. What do you expect? Uh, maybe something called B-52s with a rusty tin roof or some REM or something like that? Yeah, I think uh, you can go bald head and be Michael Stipe. Is that possible? <laughs> Are you kidding? Have you seen my hair? You think I'm, you think I'm, think I'm going to shave that for anything? I, I mean, I'm, I don't want to look like Jay Pillis. <laughs> uh, Reese, I want to ask you kind of um, what a typical week is for you in terms of w- when the season cranks up and you're, you're arriving in a new city. Um, you know, is it all work? Do you have any chance to, to check out the town, or are you pretty much in meetings uh, by the time you, you arrive and, and you know you, you dive into to the show production? I wouldn't say it's, it's meetings, but it is. I, I don't get out a lot. I usually try to, you know, get out some because you want to get a feel for where you are um, and kind of get a sense of what the fans are, are thinking, the level of excitement, and and just experience the college towns. But I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm a little uh, obsessive about the preparation for the show. So typically, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go grab a bite someplace on Thursday night when we get there, but usually on Friday after we finish our meetings and whatever recordings we have to do, I'm sort of on lockdown until the show. So, um, and, and it's sort of that way all the time. I get asked often how many hours of preparation that we spend on it. And I think that's a hard thing to measure because the better way to put it is just sort of during the season, we're living it. And it's, it's you know, we do something uh, usually several hours every day you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a Sunday Sunday text chain, which, you know, maybe is not quite as long or time-intensive or something, but there are always emails or show reviews from the previous week that I, that I do and send out to our, to our entire group um, or, you know, talking about the next week. And then by Monday, we, you know, a couple of Zoom calls, and the producer and I usually have several 
phone conversations or Zoom conversations over the next few days. In fact, I just got off uh, about an hour or so with him a little while ago. And the rest of the time you're talking to people and reading and prepping and all the things that you guys understand from, uh, you know, from doing your job. And it's sort of a lifestyle more so than, well, you know, I starting on Wednesday, I, you know, I put in, you know, nine hours a day or something like that. Obviously, this week's game has escalated rather quickly. Uh, I guess uh, two questions here: Like, when do y'all find out that you're going to, you know, a place like Athens? And I would imagine last week it wasn't until after Arkansas knocks off A and M. And then, you know, what's your kind of travel plans like? Are you like having to book a, a flight quickly? I mean, how does that all kind of work? Well, we we have people to help us with that with that aspect of it, but. We they take in they take our input into consideration. There are several of us that, you know, are part of the decision, and ultimately, you know, the, you know, our um, executives and so forth. They would have the final say. But they've been in my seven years on the show. They've been great about listening to us when we have, uh, when we have an opinion or a judgment about where we should go. So it's not like they just hand it down from the outside. I say, you guys are going to Athens this week, you know. So it's a, it's a collaborative effort in, in picking the show site each week. And, you know, there are, um, you know, there are, you know, certainly times when you, when there's a disagreement and then maybe, uh, you know, maybe business considerations would break a tie or something of that nature. Uh, so it's, but, you know, it's, it's really not – we're sort of used to it from having done it. Now our, our people who help us with travel, they, you know, they get – they have everything kind of kind of on lockdown for us and, and give us some options pretty quickly. You have a, a pretty wide portfolio of uh, sports that, that you uh, are involved with at ESPN. Uh, I, I imagine your schedule probably would not have uh, fit in hosting The Bachelor like Jesse Palmer is going to be doing. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but, but you did uh, you did host uh, soccer for the European – football championships uh, i guess this summer so can you break down ukraine or denmark uh no because it's exited my brain i worked <laughs> very hard in preparation for it uh but it has uh it has it has moved away quickly now i could i could go back and look at my notes and refresh my memory uh that is something different from the college football that i feel like i live year round because it's just sort of part of who I am. The the Euro twenty twenty I really enjoyed it. Tremendous crew. Um, but uh, but it it kinda it kinda went away for the most part. But um, I can tell you that I can sing the football is coming home, the England song, but it didn't but it didn't come home again. So that that much I know. I you know what, I would say this, though. I mean, maybe I know where you're going with this. I have said in the off season that Georgia is Belgium. I did hear that, yeah. Uh, yeah, Belgium, and, and people took that as some kind of big insult. But if you understand European soccer on the world stage, and at least I did at the time when I was studied up on it, but I do I do understand this. I can't break down Denmark for you. <laughs> but um, I can well, actually, I guess I can. It's one of the stories of the Euros, now that I think about it. But I digress. Belgium has huge stars, huge on the world stage stars, and they're excellent. And they're and I don't know where they are right now, but at the time, FIFA had them ranked number one in the world. But they hadn't won the big tournament. They hadn't won the World Cup. They hadn't won the Euros. And so when I was studying and preparing for Euro 2020, sort of you know letting things percolate in your brain in certain ways, I was like, oh, that's Georgia. Just waiting through for the breakthrough. This is the you know this was the chance 
this year for them to, to try to win your, the Euros. And it's sort of the same way for Georgia. It's not a slide. It's They're excellent. They've got big stars. They've got mammoth potential and just, you know, still one thing lacking, you know, on the resume, and it's, it's winning the whole thing. They've come close, and they've been terrific, and maybe this is the year that they, that they do it. It seems like uh, Belgium has a Lukaku or something like that from my memory. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's right. And De Bruyne, too. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I'm, I'm impressed. Very well done. There you go. Well, uh, I guess Georgia has a few of those on defense, uh, some some big-time stars, uh, especially so far. So is this defense, in your opinion, uh, is it everything it's, it, it looks like so far through the first uh, few games, or uh, is there some vulnerability there maybe? Uh, I mean, I think in this day and age of football that, you know, anybody can be made to look vulnerable on a particular day. But despite the fact that I think we're all reevaluating Clemson, I actually, I, I, I actually think Georgia's defense is everything it's cracked up to be. They've got, they've got mammoth difference makers at every level, and they could be getting reinforcements when Tyke Smith comes back, if he's able to come back Saturday or whenever that might be. But... I, I think they are. Um, they, they just have dominant players, and a lot of them from you know Jordan Davis, to Dean, to Anderson. You know, all of those guys are not only good, solid players; they're difference makers. You know, and so I think um, I, I think regardless of what you might think of the uh, level of offense that they faced up to this point, um, you know, certainly we were all impressed with Clemson because we were under the impression that. Clemson would do what it's done for the last, you know, eight, nine, ten years almost, and just, you know, roll out another great offense. That's not the case right now. But uh, I sort of, my personal opinion and judgment on this is that Georgia's going to make just about everybody they play uh, look pretty pedestrian on offense. Reese, I guess we're, we're probably a, maybe a month away from the college football top 25 reveal, the first of your shows. When you look at it going forward, you know, however many years ahead it is when it's going to expand. What do you think is good for college football? Is it, is it eight? Is it 12? And, and how exciting would it be to host a show to debate 12 to 14, which, you know, this week would be like Ole Miss, BYU, or Michigan? Um, I think not the same as four. When you get it figured, you're going to, I mean, there will always still be some of it. We, you know, Billis and I talk about this in basketball. Uh, we spend all of this time talking about these bubble teams on the end, all these teams that, you know, 90% of the time lose their first game. You know, so that's some of, of what you would sacrifice, I think, by going to a larger field. And certainly that would, you know, would impact the show. Um, but, you know, that's so far down the road, I haven't given it a lot of thought about how it would impact the show, per se. But as far as what's good for the sport, there is a lot of value to making it hard to get into the postseason because of the nature and the DNA of this sport. But things have to evolve and grow, both from a standpoint of making the financial pie as big as possible and driving up revenue streams in that way, particularly since I think we're going to see more of the revenue streams directed to the players uh, with NIL, and who knows what else might come. It might be more than NIL in coming years, you know, whether there's, you know, any type of legal action for revenue sharing or anything in coming years. Who knows the answers to those types of questions? But I think that we're reaching a point where it's probably time to expand it. Um, 
I've never been a big fan of the buys because I think sometimes it gives the advantage to the teams who kind of, you know, get some of the nerves out and all of that, but it does certainly put them at risk for getting guys banged up. So, you know, my instinct would be eight, but I think 12 is probably going to be where it's going to land because it's going to provide access to a lot of different teams and, and more teams. Is that a good thing? Everyone thinks that it is. But, you know, the one thing I would say about the small number in the college football postseason in the playoff era with four, and prior to that with the BCS with two, and even with the Bowl Alliance with two way back in the day, is that college football had the best chance and still has the best chance of crowning the best team over the course of the entire season the champion. Is that the be-all, end-all? No, but I think it's pretty darn important. And I think it's, I think it's unique in other sports because it happens sometimes in other sports. And in some sports, it rarely happens because of the nature of the postseason. So, you know, we're giving up something. I've said this several times, guys. It may be time to expand. It may probably is time to go to 12 and, or whatever they might land on at the end. But let's not pretend that it comes without a cost. It's probably time to pay the cost, but you're going to give up something. And part of that is that uh, exclusive feel of it being super hard, the debate, the arguments, the, the passion that's generated uh, among the fan bases and the interest of watching games in other regions, uh, you know, just praying uh, upon, you know, prayer that somehow Oregon loses or somehow Oklahoma State loses to a team they shouldn't, you know, that uh, – that somebody can, you know, can upset Clemson and knock them out. You know, all of those things that people in other parts of the country now, if they, you know, if there's more access to it, you're going to lose a little bit of that. Maybe that's okay. But let's not pretend like we're not going to lose anything if we expand to 12. Reese David Pollock, of course, somebody we know well around here, being a UGA guy, and I think you could find him on a uh, rec football field coaching Little League right outside of, uh, of Athens. Uh, but... Yeah, not not asking you to tell any uh, crazy David Pollock stories, but what do you think of his uh, job on the show? Or, you know how he's done and uh, what he's kind of brought to uh, game day. Well, there's there's no one um, in my professional life that I'm closer to than than Dave. Um, you know, he's he's like uh, he, he's such a quality human being. First, now he can be a crazy person. We all know that. <laughs> but he's fun, and he, he's he's fun. He's he's devout. He's a wonderful family man, and he is—he—he he breaks down tape as well as anyone I've ever seen, and he just keeps getting better and better and better at it week in and week out. And I think that his personality and his ability to not really give, you know, um, a rat's fanny what anyone says about him. A lot of people in our business say that, Hardly anyone I know actually really lives and believes that way. He does. So it's, it's liberating. It's free for him. If, if someone gets mad at him, so what? He doesn't care at all. And now all of my guys up there are great about doing that. I and mean, I think, you know, Kirk proves that week in and week out. I mean, that he, he will say he'll take the slings and arrows. Um, but I think Kirk would even admit that there's a part of him, you know, and he even wrote it in his book, yeah, that 
because he and I share this characteristic. We like we like for people to, you know, not be mad at us, but, you know, it doesn't mean you won't say what you think. But, you know, after that's over, you, you'd like to be able to repair the relationship while maintaining that honesty. David... David will do that if, it's, if, if it happens, but if it doesn't, if you're mad, okay. You know, if, if people put mean things about him on Twitter, okay. And I, I think it's kind of liberating for him, but I think he's also really refined his craft on television, too, so that he, so that he does it in, you know, in a way that, that's, really, you know, that's really productive. Reese, so we'll get you out of here on just one more thing. Uh, I guess you guys are doing, uh, I guess it's sort of rare, doing the first couple hours uh, uh, at one spot and then getting into the stadium on, on Saturday. Uh, do you get a police escort for that? And can you give us any kind of sneak peek? I know you guys like to d- have some surprises. Is, uh, is Corso going to be a smooch and ugger or anything like that? Or anything you got uh, uh, planned uh, you know, with the Georgia flavor for this weekend? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the flavor goes. We've done this you know, from time to time over the years. We've done it at the, at the state fair for Oklahoma, Texas, doing a couple hours of the show one place, moving inside the stadium. We did it last week at Soldier Field. Last week we had a police escort, an equine police escort. <laughs> and while they did a great job for a while, then they ended up sort of hindering the proceedings. And so we had to, um, we had to make our way around them, only to be encountered by the Wisconsin band, which also slowed us down. But we made it. And uh, so, that was, uh, so that was good. It's a little bit of a longer trek this week from Myers Quad to the stadium, but we have a plan in place to be able to, um, to, be able to get there as quickly and efficiently as possible and hopefully without any, um, any horse disasters <laughs> or, any, uh, or any band uh, the band on the field situation to stop us from getting to the appointed place. I would say, is that a nervous ride that y'all take? You know what? I mean, maybe it's because I've been in television for <laughs> 30 years at ESPN for 26. I mean, you know, look, I want to get there. Don't get me wrong. But you can, you know, I sound like a coach now. You can control <laughs> what you can control. And if, you know, and if you can't get through the crowd, it would just be like that dream that I've had my entire career that, <laughs> You know, the dream that you have that you can't get to the studio one time and they're starting the show and you've got to get there and then you realize, you know, that you forgot your pants or something, you know. So, I mean, you know, I mean, there is some anxiety to it, but I was pretty confident uh, last week that we were in good shape. Um, I'll probably I'll probably be a little more forceful in the in the go, go, go. Uh, just a little bit of a longer ride. But we have we have a plan in place that's going to that's going to allow us plenty of time to, uh, to make, the, make the move. All right, Reese, we uh, really appreciate you joining us. Safe travels to Athens, and uh, folks can watch, obviously, 9 a.m. on Saturday uh, before the uh, Georgia-Arkansas noon kickoff. Thanks again. All right, man. See you later. All right, we uh, thank Reese Davis for joining us uh, a couple days before I guess he'll be in town. Maybe he'll be in town tomorrow. I hope we inspired him to do some type of uh, REM opening. I know they're getting close to the close to the you know production time and all that. But. I don't know if Mike Mills is in town this week, but Ooh. I mean, surely he'd be a great guest picker. Oh, absolutely. Hey, you know what? He's a uh, former he's, Bulldogs Extra podcast attendee. Right, and also um, he's a big college football fan, so he can make some really good picks. I'm not going to name names, but there's been some of the guest pickers, and I didn't see last... Who was it last week? Do you know? Uh, were they in Chicago? Uh, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, I hadn't watched the whole show yet, so... It seemed like it was somebody pretty popular, too. <clears throat> My point is, 
somebody this year was given like two word answers and knew nothing about college football. Oh, that's embarrassing. But I mean, he could have picked him right. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right, let's. Oh, uh, I watched Aston Kutcher on there one time earlier this year, and it seemed like he broke down like uh, what type of fronts each team was going to be in. I, I was watching the clock, and they were past twelve o'clock, and he's breaking down, you know, Southern Miss's, uh, you know, secondary and stuff. Need the important information now. He's no longer with Demi Moore. Can you kind of update me on his? Uh, his yeah, uh, Mila Kunis. They have two kids, a boy and a girl, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't know. I, I know he's with me, Lacuna. So. Oh, you don't know about the, the, the kids' situation? I think I might be right. All right, all right. Um, hey, there was some good news that Kirby Smart shared with us on the teleconference today, which is that Scott Cochran is back in town. Now, I think if you follow him on his social media, you might have thought, you know, that was going on anyway. I think he might have been at, a, at his... You see a little, uh, yeah, a little local football action there. Yeah. So uh, Kirby said he's back in town. He's around the program uh, for... Uh, kind of a visit, I guess, so to speak. I mean, he's not like, you know, showing up and being in the meetings every day, I, I presume. Um, but Kirby was hopeful that he'd be able to come back in a couple of weeks. Um, he was asked about, you know, what role would he have? He was a special teams coordinator before. Now, Will Muschamp's on-field coach and serving in that role. And uh, Kirby didn't really say. I mean, he said right now his health is the most important thing and making sure that every, everybody's good, you know, him and his family. And so, you know, that will be to be determined. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, they kind of keep it like it is and, 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 you know, Scott comes back and contributes, uh, you know, as a staffer, you know, not necessarily uh, going through the grind of a, of a, you know, a game week every Let me ask you about that. So say he comes back, he's back on staff. Do you have to, do you, is there like a, a time on a Tuesday you have to say, here's our own field staff? Well, I mean, Right now, they have what the on-field staff is, unless they tell compliance and they alert the NCAA that they're changing it. Okay. Now, here, here's what I would say. I mean, this is all speculation. It's not, and I'm not, not talking about what his exact situation is. I'm just talking in, in uh, from the standpoint of you know, there's coaching changes every off season. So presumably, Will Muschamp would like to get back into coaching. You know as a coordinator or, or probably more likely as a head coach, but also he might be very happy being a position coach at Georgia and, and this, uh, you know, time in his life and spending time with his family, his, his son is a high school quarterback at, is it Athens Academy? At Athens Academy. And he, did he start last week? No, he came in breaking news. He came in and uh, played for the first time. And, okay. uh, you know, they have a little bit of a controversy, not controversy. They have two good quarterbacks. I'll say that, but nobody came here to listen to Athens Academy. All right. So he's a sophomore though, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. My thing is, though, nobody knows what Dan Lanning's future holds. So there could I, be. I mean, a, I do. And I, I, he's going to be head coach somewhere. Yeah, very but soon. Uh, will it be? That's what I'm saying. Will it be after this year? And yeah. would that lead to a perfect yeah. transition right, for right, one? Right. So, will so could become coordinator or Schumann. I mean, Glenn Schumann's certainly uh, earned the right. That is absolutely true. Um, and then you know, then you could have Cochran back on on as a on field assistant. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But um, you know. Kirby will will make the decision based on the information he has, and um, you know, wanting uh, everybody to be in a good a good spot. You ever thought about the tree that uh, he's going to build one day? Everybody talks about Saban's, and he already has a little bit of a tree. But I mean, everybody talks about Saban's tree. But yeah, Mel Tucker. Yep, Sam yeah, having Pittman, a great year at Michigan State. Sam Pittman and, yeah, and yeah. Shane Beamer. Now, Mel Tucker, you know. Was a uh, he's also a part of the Saban tree, right, part of the Saban tree, and also was a coordinator in in the NFL as well. So right. it's it's not like yeah, you know, I mean Kirby clearly is a is a Saban guy. I mean he 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 was totally developed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for a decade um, with the Dolphins and with at LSU and then with uh, Alabama, of course, with Alabama. All right, let's uh, 
one more thing before we make our picks. Darnell, Washington, Tyke Smith. I don't know if they're playing. You know, Kirby was very optimistic on Monday, less so on Tuesday. We're not going to talk to him after practice today. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, Darnell Washington sounded uh, Tuesday more likely to play than Tyke Smith. They both are coming off foot injuries. If they do play, it sounds like it won't be a ton. Uh, was so, there an update on Dom Blaylock? I mean, he, he's he, got a hamstring deal and he doesn't sound I mean, close. not close at all. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and also, uh, Ryan, are you excited about, is it Kay and Lee 2023 from Cedar Grove cornerback mm-hmm. committed today? Uh, after the show, Ryan will be breaking down his film. Yes. And, uh, very good, uh, hip wiggle and, uh, knee alignment. All right, let's make some picks. Ryan, I was seven and four last week against the spread. Ooh, I am nice. now 26 and 27. Wait, how do you go only go seven, four? I got six and six. Did I miss a game? You must have. All right. I'll have to come back and update that then. Um, I was perfectly 500 and just knew that Vegas exactly it's exactly what they want. Okay. All right, let's make some picks. It's Iowa and Maryland in College Park. Well, I know where you're going. Hawkeyes favored by three and a half. You Ooh. know you know where I'm going, but you're incorrect. I'm taking Iowa. It's uh, I have Maryland 25 in my uh, top 25. I think I have Iowa like uh, 11-ish maybe. I don't remember. And they're five, right? Could be higher than that. Like, they're five in the... Uh, I have them like seven then. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I have them higher than that then. Um, Maryland's 4-0, but you know, this is usually where things go a little bit south. <laughs> Tua's brother, though, is really uh, kicking it. Isn't so, it? But, you know, it's a tough game, a Big Ten slog. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Iowa uh, giving three and a half. Yeah, that seems like – I agree with you because what, what was it a few years back? Iowa – I mean, uh, Maryland would open up and beat Texas, and everybody's like, oh – their uh their uniform combination is really uh bringing in recruits and they'd lose the next few. So I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna go with you at Iowa. I'll be glad to pick the next one first, so you don't think I'm in your. Uh, All right, Pitts- own- Pittsburgh's at Georgia Tech. Oh God, I yeah I know where I'm going with this. Yellow Jackets are getting three and a half. Oh yeah. And uh, go ahead, Ryan. So they're three and a half favorites, right? Yellow Jackets. No See, no 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 no. They're 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 getting underdogs. three and a half. Gotcha yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Well, I still say this just seems like the perfect setup for a failure for tech coming off a big win you know what's the, jeff collins that their coach just keeps talking about this, that last week was a program building win this is a perfect i didn't, I didn't even hear any of the comments perfect setup for pittsburgh to win big okay i'm taking georgia tech um and it's not because of the win over north carolina i'm doing it because uh, they hung with clemson in uh I don't, think Valley. I, I don't think that's saying much nowadays that's true but also does, doesn't mean that if Pittsburgh wins by a field goal that I don't win this also. So I'm taking That's the old jackets, <laughs> getting three and a half. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe there's a chance that Georgia goes to Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech's like at 500 record. They're, they're not like two and nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tennessee's at Missouri. Vols are, the Vols are getting two and a half. Um, I'm not really a believer in either of these teams anymore, but I'm going to take the Vols getting the points. I think at Missouri – that uh, I mean, they played a tough Boston College team last week, pretty tough. So give me Missouri. They did, and they lost. That's true. Uh, Michigan is at Wisconsin. The Wolverines are getting one and a half, which, you know, I don't know why. I guess because it's the jump around, it's the fourth quarter and all that. Um, this is uh, Jim Harbaugh's year to uh, sneak up and uh, maybe beat Ohio State. I'm taking – the big blue. Well, you know, I was disappointed last week in uh, Wisconsin because I picked them to because Notre Dame has not impressed me this week. So I thought Michigan. I mean, uh, Wisconsin uh, at Soldier Field against uh, Notre Dame. I thought they would have a better showing, and they got beat pretty good. So I like Michigan as well. What was the line on that? 
Michigan's getting what? One and a half. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cincinnati is at Notre Dame. Mm. That's a top 10 matchup. It is. The Irish are getting one and a half at home, which I don't necessarily understand. Cincinnati's last game, I think they were off last week. So they're predicting Cincinnati could win this thing? That's right. When you're favored by... (laughs) I know. I know. I'm taking the Irish. At home? Yeah, I mean, Man. you can remember Notre Dame's, you know, they've they've putzed around for a couple games and yeah. they, they did well against yeah. Wisconsin. So I'm going to take uh, the Leprechauns. Yeah, give me those two. Getting adds the underdogs at home. All right, Troy is at South Carolina. The Gamecocks were favored by seven and a half points. Oh, my goodness. Ryan, I want you to make this pick. Oh, this is, this is stinky. Um, I'll go give me South Carolina. Uh, you know, they, they held tough with Kentucky last week. I know that's not saying much. It's in basketball. But uh, I think I think playing at home, uh, you know, Troy, Troy, they should beat Troy by more than seven. Troy is two and two, um, and they are coming off a uh, 26-19 loss to Louisiana Monroe, which is not world beaters. You know what? I'm still taking Troy getting the points. Ooh. The reason I'm doing that is uh, – didn't the Gamecocks have to go up to East Carolina and win in the last play on a field goal? So uh, it's going to be a close game. I don't know who's going to win it. I mean, I mean, I think South Carolina is winning, but you know, maybe it's by four or five. I don't know. Okay. Ole Miss is at Alabama. The uh, Tide are favored by 14 and a half. Lane Kiffin was called a clown by Michael Wilbon on uh, PTI and then was asked about it on, uh, on, um, on the SEC teleconference today. Look, I'm not going to say anything bad about Lane Kiffin because he was nice enough to do a phone interview with me. Um, before he was supposed to come to a coach. Or he did come to a coaching clinic. Or was that canceled by COVID? I, I guess he did. Yeah, he did. That was the year before. Um, and um, look, that, that's a formidable program. Um, I'm going to take Alabama. They uh, they usually take care of business at home. And uh, 14 and a half, though. You're, it looks like you're about to take the Rebels. No, absolutely not. In fact, I think it's going to be a blowout because – Alabama, as we've talked about many times, they look for whatever they can to encourage, you know, to to drum up uh, motivation. And I think if they just post a picture of Lane Kiffin's face on the wall, that's all it'll take to absolutely obliterate Ole Miss. Arkansas State is at Georgia Southern. The only reason I mention this is because I want to talk about Georgia Southern. Eagles are favored. Uh, I can't read it. I think I missed a number. I mean, I got to pull up this, uh, this line. But um, – they have fired their head coach down at Georgia Southern. Yeah, so talk about what, when there's some uh, festivities going on pregame on the bus. So apparently riding in, a uh, one Gavin Adcock was on top of a bus. I mean, you didn't need to call him out by name. Well, I wouldn't have, but he's a local football player, so might as well uh, I think I, I read that he apologized on his social he media. He did. He felt terrible. But uh, not after the game, not post-game celebration riding off. Did he Was he thrown a beer and chugged it? This was going into the stadium. Somebody threw him a beer. He chugged it while surfing a yellow school bus into the game. If you haven't seen it, I suggest uh, search Twitter or YouTube and uh, find this kid surfing a school bus while chugging a beer pregame. And apparently he had a penalty that cost him the game late, too, that um, didn't sit too well. So he got uh, indefinitely suspended by one other Oconee County uh, graduate, uh, Binko, their athletic director. I saw a quote from Jared Benko, which basically was somebody, I guess, had asked him about that beer chugging incident. And he basically said, you know, I've told our coaches that uh, I'm, I'm looking at everything. Everything contributes to, you know, how I evaluate you. So <laughs> even I think that might have been the straw that broke the old camel's back there. What kind of beer was it? Do you know? Yeah, it was a Bud Light. Oh, OK. No, I don't know. 
Uh, it's one and a half points, and I'm taking the visitors, Arkansas State, because it's been a uh, week of distractions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, give me Arkansas State. Florida is at Kentucky Gators by eight and a half. I'm going to try to speed this up now because okay. we're kind of running long. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the Fighting Dan Mullins. Uh, I am convinced now that they ruined my second half when I had Tennessee uh, hanging in there for a while. Uh, and I'm not overly impressed with what's going on. With, I know they're 4-0, but, you know, have they been winning convincingly many? Uh, Kentucky? Yeah, not not really. Not really. I'm taking the Gators giving eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, what can we say? Uh, uh, Florida has has looked pretty good in the last two weeks. They took Alabama to the wire. They uh, pretty much did what they wanted to with volunteers. So, all right, Mississippi State's at Texas A&M. The uh, Bulldogs are getting seven and a half. I'm going back on the Mike Leach bandwagon, uh, mostly because I'm not sold on Zach Calzada, who I remember Georgia made a run for uh, a couple of years back whenever he was coming out. They uh, this might have been when Justin Fields was was out the door or something. I think they were one of the guys that. Is that the timeline right? I'm not sure. That they, that sounds right. I think he was already committed to Texas A&M. They're trying to get him to come. And then, lo and behold, I believe that's when Stetson Bennett uh, ended up coming back to Georgia. What do you like in your calzada? Pepperoni? Cheese? Um, anyway. Let me think about that. <laughs> I'm going to go with A&M just because uh, I think they're uh, they're going to bounce back from the Arkansas loss. All right, two more games. Auburn at LSU. The LSU Tigers favored by three and a half. It's a night game in Death Valley. Give me LSU. Yeah, I agree with you. And Auburn, well, they almost got stunned by Georgia State last week. So uh, they don't impress me. Neither does LSU, but at home, give me uh, LSU. Georgia and Arkansas, Razorbacks are getting 18 and a half. And uh, it's a noon. Do you think that's the noon game is going to keep the fans quiet? No, 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 no. It's going to be raucous and rowdy, and uh, everybody's going to be super excited. All right. Um, Arkansas's got a uh, running quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. They can also throw the ball deep. It's got a salty defensive line with uh, a bunch of transfers, including uh, one Trey Williams from Missouri. Um, so, am I getting that name right? I think I am. He's not. I'm looking up at the, their tackles list. He's not making many tackles because he's just getting a lot of sacks. Um, and uh, I had two sacks, and uh, he's got four and a half, four sacks total for the season, four and a half tackles for a loss. Um, Georgia's offense is uh, pretty special from what we've seen the last few weeks. It'd be nice if they can get this running game going. The Arkansas uh, defense has been more vulnerable to the run. Ryan, are you seeing a 35-yard-plus uh, run out of somebody on Georgia's team? Uh, no, maybe Brock Bowers. <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, uh, you know, they, they haven't really done much to impress me so far with the running backs. You know, you can see maybe a speed sweep to James Cook or something, maybe breaking it, but um, you know, they're going to have to open bigger holes for, for Zamir and uh, maybe the Kendall Miltons if he's back healthy uh, to, to run through and, and whatnot. But, you know, as far as the, uh, as far as the, uh, the game goes itself, I want to hear what you think. I mean, doesn't that line seem a bit high? Yeah, so I'm taking Arkansas. I'm saying Georgia wins uh, by like 17. Like 20... 27-10? Yes. That's or, or 24 to... Uh, no, no, 27-10. That's about right. There you go. Yeah. Is this defense giving up that many points, though? Or is it like a pick six again? That... I mean, I think that they could give up. A, I mean, didn't South Carolina score on a passing? They scored 13 points against Georgia at home. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But the line, I mean, that does seem high for a top 10 matchup. And, uh, you know, I, I, that that score does sound like a like a reasonable score. Even, uh, you know, even a 24 to 10 or a 24 to 7 maybe even. So um, give me Arkansas as well. 
I think uh, that, that line is just a little bit too high. Uh, and, you know, I think Georgia's defense, uh, whenever uh, the other team can't score, that's the best way to uh, to win a game. So I think that's going to continue this week because uh, it's a damn good defense, as they say. All right, take those uh, picks all the way to the Cherokee Casino up in North Carolina. Do they, oh, I might. Do, do they do sports betting up there? Yeah. In fact, I'll probably pass that Wait, they, they, they do do sports betting up there? Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So. I do know there is a casino up there. I need to stop into. I will be in Asheville this week, uh, Mark. I will not be with you. Uh, all right, well, enjoy. Uh, getting married. You're, so, you're, I'm uh, sorry, what? You're what? Getting married. It's into my... Uh, into my bachelor life, sad to say. No, I'm just kidding. I'm excited about it. I mean, unless we see some videos posted on social media this weekend, uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. All right, you got it. All right, well, uh, we wish uh, Ryan a happy last 72 hours of bachelorhood. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, a, a lifetime of wedded bliss. Uh, and uh, most importantly, for, uh, for Ryan's wedding, please give him a five-star review. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, well, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you. See you guys. So, John, question. With Auburn firing Gus Malzahn, it leaves Ed Ogeron as the SEC's only coach who has beaten Nick Saban. Who's going to be the next SEC coach to beat Saban? Well, I don't think he'll be the guy that a lot of people think he will be. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He almost beat Saban last year, and he almost beat Saban when he was at Tennessee. Fisher promised he was going to thump Saban's rump whenever Alabama comes to College Station. I think he's got a shot. He improved Texas A&M to 9-1 last year. He's got a national championship to his name. If Haynes King is the real deal, he's got an early opportunity in October to beat Nick Saban. Look at Saban's track record for losses. It's usually to a great quarterback. Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, or Joe Burrow. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, I think, could be the best quarterback in the league. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist john adams let's just say he's got a few decades on me not as many decades as some people think contrary to popular opinion i did not cover general Nealon, but i did interview bear bright and i interviewed nick saban and i covered archie manning and peyton manning more insightful interview john bear bryant archie manning steve spurrier or johnny majors gotta go with steve spurrier there he's the great quipster SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts.